0: Hi, welcome to today's making a mystery with popping bits and I'm feeling a goo. Okay, sorry. I just like, I feel like anytime that this mic is on, I'm going to give you some Mariah Carey action. I'm going to give you some Michael boob sleigh. <laughs> Hi, welcome to today's baking a mystery. I obviously cannot pick a background to save my life. Like, I don't know what's going on. It used to be the Christmas tree. Please give me some advice or should I do like a whole setup? But then also like we're moving soon. Or are we? I don't even know! Welcome to today's Baking a Mystery, where we will be talking about the movie Hush. Hush was an intense movie. It has been highly requested on the Mukbang channel, and let me freaking tell you, it really forked with my fear, because one of my biggest anxieties is having a home invasion, and a serial killer breaks into my house and murders me in the comfort of my own home. And I was like, you know what? I will watch this. And I watched it last night of all nights. So I do want to spread the horror to you, beats. There's a lot of psychological horror involved because we have a serial killer who is now going to, well, we'll get into it. But before we do, I know, I know you guys have heard me talk about this. Look at how long my hair has become. After 2020, I came out of that year mentally, emotionally, physically harmed, but my hair grew a lot, so I was like, this is an even trade. I am obsessed with Function of Beauty. You guys already know Function of Beauty is where I have been getting my shampoo, my conditioner, my hair mask. Now they have hair mist, which is amazing because if you don't shower every day, you just mist it and act like you just showered. Best thing ever. They have customizable hair care, so you just take a two minute throw, but super quick quiz on their website, and they will customize the formula to fit your hair plus your hair care goals. You want lengthening, you want strengthening, you want moisture, you want to fix your split ends. They got all of those goals. You can then customize your favorite scent. You can pick a scent. You can customize how much of that scent goes in there. You can even get these really cute bottles with your name on it and they give you stickers in the mail and they will ship it to your house with free shipping, their body wash and their body lotion. <gasps> I could not find a body lotion for the life of me where after I put it on, I couldn't feel not sticky. I would always feel sticky. I would immediately get into bed because I shower at night and then I would have tiger's hair just like stuck on my arm and I'm like that's kind of nasty. Until Function of Beauty came out with their customizable body wash and body lotion because I can customize it completely to me so like on the winter months I will retake the quiz and I'll just say hey listen I need some more moisture because it's really dry in LA right now it's moisturizing but it's not too oily I love that I can choose the amount of fragrance that goes in. I love that I can choose the scent itself. They also have a new scent called champagne and citrus this! <gasps> It smells so good. Right now, if you guys are interested, they have a buy one, get one, which means if you buy a hair set, they will give you a body set for free. 2021 has been sucking for me recently, but this buy one, get one though. I'm obsessed with good deals. I'm gonna leave all of the links in the description. Go check it out. Let me tell you about this movie, Hush. This movie was so intense. This is kind of like a quiet place on crack. We are um, dealing with a protagonist who is deaf and mute. And so I I feel like I should have probably done more research on it but i'm just like gonna go into the story because i'm telling you about the movie and if there's something incorrect about the movie or the incorrect about the portrayal of the movie i'm sorry i didn't make the movie i'm just telling you about the movie Anyways, continuing on. So the main character of the story, she her name is Maddie Young, and she is a horror writer. She writes a lot of like mystery novels, and on top of that, she is deaf and mute. So she lives in this isolated cabin in the woods. Now it's not necessarily like the most isolated area, so she does have neighbors around, but they're kind of far apart. Like they're not going to be immediately right there, like next door neighbor, was popping. And so it starts with the scene of her in her kitchen cooking lamb. And in the beginning, you're kind of confused if you don't read the synopsis of the plot. Because you're like wait what's going on They did an amazing job so anytime That they show her cooking the lamb Or making the mashed potatoes You can hear the sizzling of the noise You can hear the ticking of the timer But immediately when it looks like the camera Is showing you from Maddie's perspective Everything's quiet Mm -hmm. so that's When you're like okay obviously you know This is trying to imply something is going on Here because suddenly it just gets dead Quiet you don't hear any sizzling no background Noise whatsoever and so she's Cooking this beautiful lamb dish she's got lamb chops in the oven. She's Googling how to make some She's making some mashed potatoes, a glaze, like the whole shabam. And I'm like, who are you cooking for, miss? Am I invited? And that's when her friend keeps texting her. So her friend's name is Sarah, and we find out later that Sarah is her next door neighbor as well as a friend. And she says like, "What, what, what time should I come over? And she's like, oh, I'm making dinner. You can come right now and I have some extra food for you. So then she starts like rattling her, a food bowl on the ground. And it's obvious that she has some sort of pet. And then we see a cat run from outside to the inside because she keeps like, Door open and the cat just like roams around and her cat's name is actually bitch, uh (laughs) because she's a strong independent bitch. Really? Yeah. So she named her cat bitch. Yeah, I like. How does she communicate with cat? So she just rattles the cat's food bowl and when the cat hears that, the cat's like, ah, I'm getting fed. So this becomes pertinent. Oh, because uh, you know, I'm like the tags. And yeah, yeah yeah and so um she rattles the cat bowl so that the cat comes and eats the dinner. So the cat comes and then Sarah comes over and you can tell that she walked there so obviously, you know, next door neighbor and she's holding a book. So when Sarah comes, she puts down the book so that she can do sign language to communicate with Maddie. However, Maddie is trying to communicate with her through sign language. You know that I can lip read and she's like, "I know, I know, but I just I want to practice. I think I'm getting so much better at sign language." So then they sit down in the front porch and they start talking about about the book so we find out that the book was a pre-release of Maddie Young's newest novel and she had given it to Sarah to get her opinion on the plot and all of these things and she's like I freaking love it I don't know how you do it I love your book so so much how do you like how do you think about these endings like how do you how do you get from like I didn't even expect that normally when I read mystery novels I know what's gonna happen but I didn't know what was gonna happen and Maddie explains to her that it's almost like she has this voice in her head and she every little thing that she writes She sees like nine different outcomes of what that one action could do and it just kind of plays out in her head and Sarah asks her kind of a sensitive question She's like, you know, is the voice young? You know, and she's like, no, it's actually kind of older Like, maybe it sounds like my mom Like she was saying, like, it's kind of like my mom's voice And her friend is like, oh, sorry I just wondered if the voice was young Because you said you got into an accident when you were 13, right? And then all of a sudden, her friend looks back And starts going, oh my gosh! And Maddie looks back, and there's smoke inside the house. So they both rush in together, and the fire alarm is going off. And again, this is amazing filming because they go from you know Sarah's perspective, where the fire alarm is horrendously loud. Then you go to Maddie's perspective, where she's just turning it off, and it's completely silent. So it's very fascinating. Now Sarah, during this entire time, she's trying to help take the lamb out of the oven. The lamb has been burnt, but she keeps covering her ears, which I know smoke detectors are loud, but they're not. That that loud so I'm like is there a little bit? but Maddie explains you know after she turns off the fire alarm she explains sorry about that fire alarm I had to get this special one because if I'm asleep and a fire happens I can't hear anything so I have to be able to feel the vibrations. so that's how loud it is for there to be vibrations that she can literally feel and obviously she's gonna have heightened senses you know but um that's why the fire alarm is the way it is and Sarah's like yeah that's one hell of a fire alarm now this becomes Pertinent in the story later So she's just like man I'm so Sorry about dinner I'm so sorry that You know you came over and I burnt The lamb and so Sarah's like well Why don't you come over to my house John's home We can order some pizza we can Watch some movies and Maddie's like Well I I can't I have to work I have to write So Sarah's like okay well take it easy And I'll see you later and they also Talk about the cat momentarily Because the cat was gone again and she's just like Yeah she's just kind of that big Sarah leaves. Now, we start seeing like kind of Maddie's day-to-day. A guy by the name of Craig keeps blowing up her phone, and it seems like she's a little hesitant. It feels like an ex-boyfriend honestly. That's what I think it is. And she doesn't pick up the phone. She puts her phone like face down. I'm like, oh my god, foreshadowing. She puts her phone face down. She goes onto her laptop, and that's when the camera pans over to one of Maddie Young's books. And on the back, it says, you know, like about the author. And that's how we find out that at 13 years old, she contracted bacterial meningitis, and And through a botched surgery, she lost her hearing and she lost her ability to talk. So she is considered deaf and mute. I don't know if those are the proper terminologies, but that's like the ones that the movie used. And so um, that's when she said in an isolated world, she was like, what do I do? Like, what do I do? I feel so... You know, losing your hearing at 13 is completely different from being born deaf. And so she said that she just felt so alone that she turned to writing and she made her own world where she wasn't isolated anymore. And it was just, I mean, holy cow, beautiful. And so then she gets onto her laptop and she starts typing away. Now immediately we can see what she was talking about in terms of like the writer's voice. She had the same book with nine different outcomes because this is a mystery novel. So there could be so many different outcomes at the end, right? So she had ending one, ending two, ending three, ending like all the way to nine. And she would skip back and forth and she would think. And in her head, we can hear her voice thinking all of the possible scenarios and how they wouldn't work because that would be a plot hole in this part of the book, you know, and all of these things. And she gets a FaceTime from Craig. <laughs> and so she's like, oh no. So she slams shut her MacBook and she's like, Gah. and you can see that she's like, should I pick up? Should I not pick up? And she decides to be a productive human instead. And she walks over to her kitchen and she starts cleaning and already the action is about to start happening. So as she starts cleaning, she has this kitchen door, which is a full-on like double doors right next to her kitchen, but then she also has a front door. She's got a lot of doors and windows in this house. This is really pertinent to the story, okay? So there's kitchen doors, and she's not looking at the window because I guess there's no reason to, so she's just cleaning up everything, but we can see from the outside in, and someone slams across onto the kitchen windows, banging on it, and it's Sarah. Now, this is not the same Sarah as before, because she's bloodied up and she actually has a crossbow in her back like someone had shot her with a bow and arrow type situation like a hunting bow and arrow and so you can see that sticking out of her back she's wearing the same clothing she's screaming and she's screaming Maddie please see me please see me and she's banging on the window and Maddie does not see her and I was screaming Maddie and And then at the same time, there was a masked killer, like a masked dude, and this is a very scary mask. I'm gonna put the picture right here, holy cow. And he shows up right behind Sarah and turns her around, and he's facing into the house, staring at Maddie, and Sarah is now facing out. So like Sarah, her back is towards Maddie's window, and he just starts stabbing her in the stomach. And he's staring at Maddie the whole time while he's doing this, because I think he thinks that this is really odd, you know? Like what is going on? Like this is really odd. How is she not calling the police? Why is she not even caring? What's happening? So he stabs her and then Sarah drops to the ground and the killer gets closer to the window and he taps on it. And Maddie doesn't turn around. And we don't know what the emotions of the killer are cause he's completely masked up except for his eyes and then you just see him grab and drag Sarah's body out of the way. And you can already tell that he's about to fork and mess with Maddie. And so Maddie finishes cleaning up her kitchen. She looks out the window. No one's there. She goes back to the living room and she sits down on her couch. And I don't know how she does this, but she doesn't close any of the blinds. Like, I guess because it's an isolated area, she just leaves them all open. I am like the number one. Like, once it gets a little bit dark, I gotta close them blinds because I feel like everyone's staring at me. But she doesn't do that. She gets onto her laptop and Craig calls again. She denies it. And so she's trying to write to the ending of her book now she seems like she's having a little bit of writer's block like she's not necessarily going at it she's just kind of like man what do i do what do i do and she had left the front door open because we can see the killer slide open her front door walk into her house now the masked killer is standing right behind maddie as she's thinking about the ending to her book and she's typing some bull She's typing la 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 the end please pay me my advance now (laughs) Hee hee like you know just like when you have writer's block you're just like forking around and so it almost seems like it's just an odd situation right and so the killer he starts tapping on his knife onto the table behind her and she doesn't turn around so he's like huh. But he immediately has to jump out of the frame because her sister FaceTimes her. And, you know, when you get a FaceTime, your camera shows up behind, right? So she doesn't see him. She picks up the call, and she's doing sign language to her sister. And her sister is doing sign, but I I believe also just talking because she's really good at lip reading. Um, And she's just talking about life. They're just talking about, like, what's going on? How's your book going? And her sister keeps saying, you know, I wish you would just come live with me. Like, I don't like the idea of you being so alone in the woods. And she was like, "What about what about being like getting a boyfriend? Have you tried that?" And she said, "No, I haven't. I don't know why. I tr- I signed up for like this dating website for deaf people and everyone sucks there. But whatever." Also Craig called and her sister's like, "Craig? Wow, it's been like a year since you guys broke up." And she's like, "Yeah, I know. I didn't pick up." And she's like, "Well, All right, Squid, so it seems like her sister calls Maddie Squid, like that's the nickname And she says, all right, Squid, I just really wish you would think about coming back to the city I just don't like the idea of you living there And she goes, wait, what's that? Did something move behind you? So while this conversation was taking place, the killer had actually taken Maddie's phone off the counter with his hand So that she can't call 911, you know? So he had taken the phone, and her sister was like, wait, Maddie, did I?" I thought I saw something move and Maddie explains to her oh I think that's my cat the cat probably came back and she's like oh okay well call me later and they hang up the phone So at this point, Maddie walks back and the door had been closed So the killer, when he had come in, he had closed the door, you know? So Maddie, she goes to the cat bowl and she starts rattling it because her sister had seen some movement inside the house and cats, like, they like jump onto tables and stuff so she now assumes that the cat is inside because in the beginning frame, she had opened the door to rattle the bowl so you see her go from room to room just rattling the bowl and the cat is nowhere to be found So she's like, that's so odd, right? You can tell that she's kind of like, huh, weird. And so she sits down the bowl and she opens the front door and puts on a jacket and she's just waiting for her cat. And I think it has to do with the fact that like maybe she wouldn't hear the cat if the cat like showed up. So she just left it open so that the cat could come in. She puts on a jacket. She leaves the front door wide open and she goes back to her laptop and starts typing away. Now at this point, she's typing and she gets a text message from her phone and she opens it up and one is a picture of her earlier when she was on the phone, on FaceTime Then, there's another picture of her that was taken from an outside the house perspective when she was walking through the house looking for the cat So the killer had already left the house and then, as she's getting these pictures, there's a new one Now it's her with her jacket on and she's looking around and it's from the perspective of that front door wide open, like through there, like someone standing on the other side of that wide open front door. So she gets up from her chair and she goes into the frame of the front door and she sees the masked killer and he's waving her phone. So she books it, she runs to the front door, she manages to slam it shut and lock it before he's able to get inside. He's got a knife, he's got her phone, he's got everything. And then he's like, and looks at her and just starts booking it to the next window, the kitchen doors. So then she runs to the kitchen doors. She locks those and then he stares at her through the window. And then also imagine like the intensity of someone who's trying to kill you and you guys are this far apart as she's locking it cause they're like this, you know? And she looks so terrified. And then they go to the next window and then the side doors. I mean, this bitch got so many doors. I don't even, oh my gosh, I would have so much anxiety living in a house with that many doors. Doors on doors on doors. She don't even got walls it's just all doors and so they go to the next door and the next door and the next door and her entire house is just like filled with windows and so he's just staring at her and so she's like what do i do what do i do she's thinking and i think that she's thinking through all of the like the doors situations the window situations once she realizes that most of them are locked she immediately books it to her laptop and she's trying to facetime 911 because her phone's not there and all of the power shuts off we see that the killer went outside to the power box and had to cut the wires which I just have a question, why the fork are those outside the house? We need to outfit all houses to have power boxes on the inside where serial killers can't just like come in and be like, Snippity Snip Snip! I feel like Edward Scissorhands today! He shuts off all the power, so her Wi-Fi is down! Which is the only way she can call 911, because she doesn't have her phone where they can make emergency calls. So she tries to look for any other Wi-Fi's in the area. John and Sarah's Wi-Fi, her next door neighbor that just got murdered, but she has no idea that they just got murdered, right? So she tries to jump on their Wi-Fi, But it's password protected And the killer's really smart Because he even goes to the Wi-Fi section And sees that there's a password So now he knows that she really can't call for help So he's kind of excited During this time, Maddie is just staring at him through the window and just watching his movements and he knows that she's watching and he'll move very deliberately and slowly and he walks over to her car and pops all of the tires with his knife while he's staring at her So she runs to her purse, she grabs her flashlight which like, if you have a purse Okay, these days, everyone's got that little saddlebag from Dior Beats! How you putting hand sanitizer in there, okay? So, like, she's smart. She got an emergency kit in her purse. She got a flashlight. She got some lipstick. She grabs the lipstick, and she starts writing stuff on the kitchen window, right? And then she grabs the flashlight and starts pointing it through that window so so that the killer can get, you know, draw the attention to this specific window. So the killer shows up to the window, and she's sitting on the stairs, and he reads the words. Won't tell. Didn't see face. Boyfriend coming so it's kind of like saying hey someone's coming to get me like don't you worry You're gonna get caught like I'm not gonna tell anyone that you tried to almost kill me right now because uh, I didn't see your face I don't even know what you look like but like we're all good call it even and um, <laughs> Here's the crazy thing. He already knew that no one was coming and this is the scariest part even with true crime anytime I read the part where they've seen the face I'm like this is not a good game. Like if you see whoever is mugging you, if you see whoever's trying to kidnap you, if you've seen their whole ass face, you gotta fight for your life because they're not they're not letting you out alive usually. Unless you're on TikTok. Yeah, unless you're on wait, what? Oh the kidnappers, POV and they're so hot and you're just like Corvette Corvette you're so hot And so then he looks at her and she's staring at him with the flashlight shining on him And she's just kind of being like yeah like just leave just leave and he looks at her and slowly takes off his mask And I know you know and Maddie freaking knows what that means. She's not getting out alive, okay? That's the only reason he took off the mask and then he asks her do you read lips? and she's just frozen and he slams on the window and he says, do you read lips? Answer me, yeah. I really wish you would come and live with me. I don't like the idea of you living all alone out in the woods by yourself, squirt or squid. And that's when she was like, oh, shit!" like he knows. I don't have a boyfriend. I was on a dating website. No boyfriend's coming to get me. Nobody's coming to get me. And he says, look at me. I can come in there anytime I want But I won't Not until it's time Not until you wish you're dead That's when I'll come inside And then he tells her Listen, you and I, we can have some fun So just enjoy it And he walks away And she turns off her flashlight So this guy is a full on serial killer Which we'll find proof of later on in the movie But again, serial killers kill as a sport so it sounds crazy but like this is what they get off of they get off on fear they get off on people being scared on mind games they don't necessarily fall upon a situation that would be deemed so perfect that they could do that but in a situation like this where they can't contact 911 they can't scream bloody murder and it's just i mean this feels like ted bundy's wet dream like situation right so she walks over to the kitchen and she grabs a hammer and a big knife and she runs into her bedroom she barricades the door of her bedroom now that. There are two windows inside her bedroom But she is now standing on the wall Like in between the windows So hopefully he won't see her And the shades are open She can't really close them necessarily Because then he would know that she's in that room And so she's just standing there And she's thinking about her next move She's like, what do I do? What do I do? You can see that she's like full on Freaking the fork out And then we start hearing Someone tapping on the window And she's like, oh my god He knows I'm in here So she slowly gets up And she's got her knife and her hammer And she looks at the side of the window, and it's Sarah and her bloody hand tapping on the window. Only, only the killer is propping her up and using her hand to tap on the window. At this point, you and I knew Sarah dead, but Maddie didn't know Sarah dead. So this is Maddie finding out that her best friend who lives right next door is dead. So she can't even run next door and be like, help me please, because they're dead. So she drops her knife and hammer by accident and she runs out, she moves the dresser away from the door and she runs out back into the living room and she's freaking the fork out. She has this really dramatic sad crying scene in the middle of the living room and um, And then she was like, I need to get it together. I need to come up with a plan. So Maddie, immediately as she's crying, she realizes, wait a second. Sarah has her phone. So we see it in a flashback of Maddie remembering Sarah. The biggest bird just like flew by I mean, no i swear it was like the biggest bird so so maddie realizes in a flashback that sarah had put her phone in her back pocket when she had approached with the book so she's like obviously maybe she didn't go home maybe she didn't make it home she's still wearing the same clothes maybe her phone is still in her back pocket and he had left her on the back window just like had dropped her body right next to the bedroom window at this point so she's like oh my god this is my only chance of calling 911 so she comes up with this master plan which is honestly genius, I think. She grabs her car keys and she starts trying to ring the car alarm. And she had to actually unlock one of the doors and stick her hand out to do it, which was such a suspenseful moment. But she got the car alarm to go off. Now, the killer, he's getting stressed out. He's walking towards the car. So she runs to the bedroom, opens up the window, and starts trying to reach into Sarah's back pocket to grab the phone. But she can't find it. She's like, where's the freaking phone? And that's when the mother forker shows up and they get into a struggle. She goes back into the window he's trying to pull her out and she's trying to slam the window shut and that's when she sees the hammer and knife that she had just dropped so she grabs the hammer and throws it at his arm and slams it shut and is able to lock the window now he's got this massive injury now and it's I think it was the knife actually and he's like bleeding on his arm and he looks at her now he looks super pissed like through the window suddenly his whole demeanor has changed the whole time he was like this have some fun and now he was like you friggin dance right so he looks like he's trying to kill her for real for reals now and she looks terrified for now and so he gets his po- he gets a phone out of his pocket and it's sarah's phone and it's completely shattered he puts it on sarah's body because he knows it's unusable and then he looks at maddie and takes off sarah's earring and puts it in his pocket and he smirks and walks away why Cause it's just like psychologically so forked up It's like taking taking a souvenir, a trophy after murdering someone, you know? And it's her friend, of all people, right? It's just sick and twisted and he just wants to fork with her in her head So he puts that earring in his pocket, he smirks, and he walks away And this really reminds me of a podcast that we did about a serial killer in Alaska who would like to release his victims into the woods so that he could hunt them for sport, like the real Hunger Games killer. I mean, that one was intense. And I feel like he gives me the same vibes, but just like fictional. So anyways, she decides that she has to leave the house. So she starts thinking about which way in the woods to run because there's a lot of woods and here's the thing, he has the advantage, he can hear her, she can't necessarily hear him. And he's also probably faster, stronger, and bigger than her, physically speaking, right? Not smarter though, never smarter. And so she's thinking about all the woods and she's like, okay, I need to get out of this house. There's no way I'm gonna survive inside this house. So she calls him over to a window and he starts talking to her. Now in the middle of him talking to her, She books it. She runs to the other direction of the house. So he's like, What the heck? So she goes to the other direction. He runs over there through the windows and he starts looking through each window and she's hiding right next to the windows so that he can be on the opposite side of the house when she tries to leave, you know? And so she opens the front door. She runs underneath her porch and she's waiting for him to like realize that she's not there. And um, that's when he sees that the porch door is open and he goes and I don't know where he had left this, but he grabs his crossbow, which is like a bow and arrow thing but not like a cool archery way like the really graphic um hunting sport type of ways and he grabs his little crossbow and he's looking for her and that's when he stops on top of the porch and she realizes because she had been living like this for so long she never thought that her breathing was that loud oh my and God. she panics and she covers her mouth and he makes it all the way down the porch and she runs up when he had gone to the other side. And as he's running towards her, she she manages to slam close the door and lock it right as he shoots a bow and arrow at the window. Like right there. And she falls to the ground. But at least she's inside her house. But that was a failed escape. So she's like okay obviously I can't Do that so she comes up with a new plan and she Runs all the way upstairs into like this little loft That she had now the loft had a Bunch of windows that were overlooking a roof And then from the roof there was Like you know the vines that you can kind of Crawl down some houses have those Like she was thinking maybe she can run out through That way so she goes up to the loft she opens A window she makes it onto the roof and she's Quietly trying to make it down When he shoots her with A bow and arrow on the Leg she gets shot in the leg and it's crazy because she did not scream like she didn't make a noise obviously and he seems to like notice that and to be very intrigued by that there's something like really sick and twisted that he gets from this and so she has this new plan where she's gonna attack him so he decides that he's gonna crawl up to the roof because you know like I said the vine ladder was right there he was gonna crawl up to the roof and kill her finish her off now because she's putting up a fight he wasn't expecting her to put up a fight but now he's pissed and so as he's crawling up He's got his little crossbow so obviously when you crawl up you got to put the thing in your hands up first So that you can lift yourself hoist yourself on to the roof So he puts his crossbow up and as he's about to hoist himself Someone snatches the crossbow and kicks his face off the roof or off the ladder and it's freaking Maddie So now he's on the ground looking at her extra pissed Never good to piss off a serial killer, okay? And so then he climbs up the roof She's running to the window She manages to close the door The window And lock it right as he gets there So another close call At least this time She has a long-range weapon She has his crossbow And only he has her knives now So she has arrows that were like attached to it uh-huh. um, or She has one arrow The one that was in her leg and oh But it wasn't loaded So she couldn't shoot him or anything uh-huh you know and so it's just a really shitty situation so she locks the window and he looks pissed but he leaves so she runs into the bathroom that was near her loft and she pulls out the arrow and she is bleeding like this is a really intense crossbow this is not a nerf gun she's freaking out she grabs a piece of cloth to bite down on to hold the pain in and she pours out Rubbing alcohol onto her wound And tries to bandage it up Then she starts trying to put a bow Into the crossbow Right? And it's not working Cause crossbows It's kind of like a gun Like it's not as easy as they make it seem in the movies Like it's really I've never dealt with a crossbow before But it's like really intense To like do all of these crazy things And you know how it goes off of the This thing going like this She just couldn't get it to go back far enough For the bow to sit So even her hands were getting bloodied up from it, because like I said, this is not a Nerf gun, this is not one of those cute little archery bows, like this was a full on weird ass hunting dude crossbow. So at this point, she doesn't realize that he's actually watching her through the window, trying to put an arrow into the crossbow. And he's just staring, watching her attempt, watching her hands get all bloodied up and he's just staring at her. And we also notice, and she notices later, markings on the crossbow, they're tally marks, and there was about eight. So it seems that he was a serial killer, and for every kill, he had tallied a mark on his crossbow. Because people love to do that, it's really creepy. So he had, he's a serial killer, right? And at this moment, he hears someone knock on the front door. Sarah? Sarah, are you here? The friend, the neighbor. Oh, the neighbor's so it's husband. John, yeah. She never made it home. Oh. So he's knocking and he's confused. He's like, Sarah. And he sees the writing on the kitchen window and he's like, what? So he grabs his phone to call 911 and you can tell John, his name's John. John's getting f-ing nervous, okay? He's like, what the fork is this writing? Where's my girlfriend, you know? So mm-hmm. he's dialing 911 and all of a sudden he says, put your hands in the air, put your hands in the air. Uh-huh. And a flashlight shining at him. So he's like, okay. And they're like, drop your weapon, drop your weapon, sir. It's not a weapon, it's a phone. Drop it, drop it. So John drops the phone, puts his hands in the air. The flashlight's like shining in his face. And he's like, what is happening? And we see the flashlight is held by the killer. And he says, I need to see some ID, sir. I need to see some ID. And he's like, what? Okay, it's in my wallet. Can I reach into my wallet, sir? Go ahead, go ahead. He reaches into his wallet, pulls it as ID, gives it to him. And he says, okay, John. How who, who do you know here? I responded to a call. Who do you know here? Why is John talking to him? Because John thinks he's a police officer. Does he look like a police officer? I mean, kind of. Oh. Like, not too crazy, but kind of. Like, honestly. And then I think it's a situation of when people take authority figures, you immediately don't question it. Because yeah. um yeah. you might die, right? So... <laughs> So he's got his hands in the air, he's just like, what? And so he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, listen, I responded to a call here. I went to investigate. A dude, a dude just ran out of the house and decked me. I woke up without my badge, my phone, my gun, nothing. Mm -hmm. And John's like, what? Something happened in here? And so the killer is like, yeah, well, do you have your phone? I need to call for backup immediately. I need to call for backup. So John's like, yeah, yeah, I have my phone. Do you know who lives here? Yeah, it's it's our friend Maddie. She's a friend of ours. Does she live alone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Sarah. Sarah came by tonight. Sarah comes by all the time, but yeah, she li- she lives alone. And Sarah hasn't come home yet, so I wanted to check up on her. W- what happened? Okay, well, can I use your phone to call for backup first? Yeah, uh, sure. Are are you the police? Well, just just barely. I just started, and it's not a good look. But can I can I just use your phone for backup, please? Yeah, yeah, sure. And he Aww. gives him his phone, and that's when, as he's fake calling for backup, he's like, yeah, I need a 7-Eleven at a 9-Eleven at a two twenty one at a 5 6 Like, he's just saying some bullshit, you know? I got a I gotta 5 6 8 7, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, subscribe to stephanie sue onto the backup phone. And John's just kind of looking at him like, okay, like he's starting to notice that it's a little bit weird. And so at that moment, he hangs up, and the killer pockets John's phone. And John is staring at the writing on the window And he's like, hey, uh, did you get a look at this? And the police, the killer, comes over and he goes Yeah, so strange Does Maddie have a boyfriend or something? Because it says boyfriend is coming No, not that I know of I mean, she lives alone Hey, can I have my phone back? Oh, sorry It's like a force of habit Here you go, here's your phone You know what? Now that I think about it That guy kind of looked like you The guy that ran out of this house and decked me when I was responding to a call He kinda had like your figure, like this big, buff dude Like a quarterback, like a linebacker Kinda like your size, your frame Yeah like you so i thought in this situation maybe the killer was saying this for two reasons one to tell the audience the reason that he's not trying to kill this person yet is because the dude was huge i mean john was like two times the size of the killer yeah and he didn't have his crossbow he really just only had knives so it seems like you know john could totally tackle this dude you know Mm -hmm. and the second thing for now that he's like wait why did you pocket my phone so now he's like I'm the police and now I'm suspicious of you, you know? So obviously it's putting him in an power dynamic Where it's not like, oh, you're a weird police officer But now it's like, no, I wasn't the one So I think it was a mixture of these two So he, John's getting a little bit just weirded out by this And so he's grabbing the phone and handing to, it to him And at the same time, something falls out of his pocket Now the killer doesn't notice, but John looks down And it's Sarah's earring <gasps> Oh my god. So John starts asking questions. John says, So, um. So d- you responded to a call? Was it from Maddie, the homeowner? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, that wouldn't make sense because she's deaf and mute. Uh-huh. Oh. Maybe it was someone else, maybe like a friend. I mean, you're looking for your girlfriend, maybe it was them. Here's what I think happened, right? I think it was a burglary situation. A dude walked into the house, started burglarizing them. The girls ran. They called 911 and they're probably out there somewhere hiding. But the dude knocked me out. I mean, I don't know until I get back up because I'm not trying to go into that house, right? But (laughs) thank God you're here. It's dark outside. I'm getting a little nervous. And he's just acting like a rookie cop. And so the cops just like standing on the porch and John's looking at him like kind of suspicious and he's like, so, uh, has Maddie always been deaf? No, I I think she had meningitis as a teenager or something like that. That's, that's impressive though, that she just like lives here and by herself. That's crazy. Yeah, you know, now that I think about it, I think Maddie keeps a key under that pot down there underneath the porch. And he's like, oh really? A spare key? Oh, yeah, then we could totally go in and try to see if I can get my weapon back and, yeah, why don't why don't we investigate together? I mean, you're, you're a big dude, I feel safe with you. So he goes downstairs to get the key under the pot, and at this moment, there was a moment where I was like, Fucking John. John's an idiota. But he's not because we see John grabbing the biggest rock out of one of the planters that he could find and hiding it behind his back. So it seems like John had lied about the key and was just waiting to just fucking plonk him on the head because he's suspicious of this dude. And immediately as the killer is lifting up the pot trying to look for a key, John hears something. And he looks up at the Like, because he's on the stairs of the porch. So the dude is, like, at the bottom of the stairs of the porch. And then now John is on the stairs of the porch. Now he's taller than the killer. He's about to smack the rock onto his head to knock him out when he hears a noise coming from the top of the porch, from the front door. And it's Maddie banging on the window, like, saying, John! Like, you know, like, mouthing, like, John, help me! John, help me! Right? And John is staring at her. And all of a sudden, we see blood splurting out of his neck. Because the killer finally had John at a disadvantage because he was distracted oh. and he Does stabbed him? his neck. Now, John was still alive at this point, so he starts trying to tackle the dude, right? Uh-huh. And during all of this, he keeps stabbing him. They get into a bit of a fight where John actually wins. While he's like bleeding to death, he starts strangling him. So he's like, got the killer in a tackle. But eventually, when he dies, his grip loosens. And so now the killer was just laying on John's dead body who he had just murdered. And he's looking at Maddie and she's crying through the front door. And he says out loud, and I don't know if Maddie was able to lip read, but he says, God, good thing she showed up when she did because I definitely couldn't have taken on you. And he starts like kicking John with his foot. Like not kicking, but like kind of like, you know, like this, like just checking him out, kicking him and saying, you know, probably two out of 10 chance I could have won this fight. And just like a really sick, twisted dude. So then Maddie, she runs from the front door to the side door and she runs out into the woods and she keeps running and she's running through the woods and then she gets tackled by the killer and he smashes her head in with a rock. And then we just see him sitting on top of her with her head all smashed in. I'm talking flesh and guts everywhere. But that didn't happen because that was just her on her hand, her hand on the doorknob of the side door, and now her instincts are finally kicking in where she's thinking about all of the possible outcomes that could happen with every little action she does. So she pulls her hand away, and you can tell that she's crying at this point and then another Maddie appears so it seems like she's hallucinating um, kind of like an instinct, but also hallucinations because when she was writing and we could hear her voice it it wasn't like this, like this was a little bit different and you can tell that she's sweating, she looks pale the inside her head, her voice is telling her you can't run, not with that leg you can't outrun him, even with both your legs definitely not now the crossbow, we could use the crossbow that one's a long distance shot But you you only have one shot and it have to be a perfect kill, either the head or the chest. But in order for you to get a shot like that, you'd have to be close range, which is difficult because he would be moving. And on top of that, you you can't even load the damn thing. Okay, that's tricky. Okay, what if we go out to the back and we turn the power back on and we come in and we call 911? No, he's just going to attack you. He's going to know what you're doing. He can hear you. Okay, well where should we hide? How about hiding? We can hide in the bedroom, the bathroom, or the loft. The loft has no doors that we can barricade. The bedroom, it's on the ground floor so he can easily break a window. All he would need is a really heavy rock. Same with the bathroom, there's a window. Best case scenario, he doesn't find you, but you'll bleed to death with that leg. You're bleeding already. Your vision's blurring, you're hallucinating, I'm obviously here, and you're sweating, you're cold. How long before you lose sight? You're running out of time. And so she's like panicking on the ground. She's like going through all of the scenarios and she's full on panicking. Sooner or later, he's coming inside. He's faster, bigger, and stronger. He's going to kill you. And he has the advantage, Maddie. He can hear you. There's too many endings and they all lead to the same place with you dead. So what does that lead to, Maddie? What does that lead to? Think. What does that lead to? There's only one. The only one that he's not going to predict. You have to kill him. So at this point, the killer is outside, and he goes through John's pocket and gets cigarettes that John had, and he starts smoking them. Goes into Maddie's trunk and gets like a, like a tire iron, like one of those, um, you know. And he grabs it, and he's sitting on Maddie's hood of the car, and he's smoking a cigarette, talking to John, the dead body that he had just murdered. And he's just like, so John, what do you think? Should I go in there now? She's kind of pissing me off. No, you're probably right. Give it some more time, till she's bled out enough. That was a nasty shot on the leg, huh? Yeah, I don't want to risk it. She does have my crossbow. What if the bitch is a good shot? Yeah, I'll just wait. I'll give it a little more time. And he's smoking a cigarette, and then all of a sudden, a cat shows up. And we can, we know he's Maddie's Cat because on the name tag it says bitch. and he sees the name tag and he says, Hey, little friend. And he's talking to the cat and you're thinking, oh no, oh no, one of the, one of the dark triads is animal abuse, okay, he's gonna kill the cat, don't fork with cats, let's go kill the cat. And then he's like, don't worry, you'll be with your mom soon, once I get my crossbow back, I'll put one right to your forehead. And just as he said that, his shoulder flings back and Maddie is outside her front door and she had shot him in the shoulder. Obviously, she was aiming for something else, but she was not that amazing of a shot because crossbows were actually really, really hard to shoot. And so he's like, in bits. And so he starts sprinting it to the front door. She manages to get inside, and they start struggling with the sliding door because it's not a closed door, it's a sliding door, remember? And her hand gets caught in between the sliding doors. And this is probably the most graphic scene of the whole movie. I mean, the whole movie itself is relatively graphic, but he starts breaking all of her fingers and stomping on them. And she is freaking out on the inside. She manages to shut the door, lock it. And he's looking at her, and he's kind of taunting her. And he says to her, like, they're this close. And for the first time in the movie, how symbolic! Maddie doesn't look scared as she's staring at him this close through the window. The whole time, every time she locks the door, she's been like, you know, like a scared little cat. you know. But this time, she's staring at him straight in the eyes. And he says, do you want me to come inside? Oh, God. (laughs) He says, you want me to come inside? And she looks at him. And she gets her one good hand and shoves it in her leg wound, gets the blood, and writes on the window, in blood, do it. And she stares at him. And he's reading it, and she slams on the window, and then she sticks her hand in her blood again, and then writes, coward. And then now you just see him get rageful because God forbid you call a manly man like that a coward. So then he grabs the little tire iron that he had brought and he starts banging on the window. Now, I think that this whole movie was just an ad for the door because I don't know where she got this door, but like it wouldn't break, the glass wouldn't break, nothing would happen, like he was just really going in on it. I don't know what that door was made out of. And she starts running to the bathroom. So she makes it into the bathroom and she's sitting right in front, so the bathtub is behind her and she's sitting in front of her bathtub. Now the bathtub is like a standalone bathtub and she's got a knife in her one good hand and she's pointing it to the bathroom door because he's trying to get in through the front door so this is the only way to get in. Mm But what she doesn't know is that there's actually a window behind her where the bathtub is, like right in front of the bathtub, you know? Mm -hmm. And we see the glass shatter, but she doesn't necessarily see it. And she's, I mean, probably the adrenaline's rushing. And she's holding her knife up towards the door. And we see him climb through the window and sit down in the bathtub right behind her. Now here's where the whole thing comes into play Which I thought was really well done Which is, do you remember when she was underneath the porch She forgot how her breath worked Because she doesn't necessarily hear herself breathing, right? Uh So she had to cover her mouth Now in this situation, because the killer has so much confidence Because she's deaf and mute He decides, I can taunt her I can talk to her So he says, you know, I really think that they undermine you I'm sure if I hit the right spot, I can make you scream. Talking about stabbing her. Like Mm -hmm. if he stabs her in a really painful spot, he can make her scream, but almost said in like a really creepy sexual way. And so he says it like that, but he doesn't realize she's really sensitive to like the air when he's talking right behind her. Mm. So he lunges forward and she lunges sideways and she stabs him in the leg. And he drops the knife and she rushes out of the bathroom. And we thought that that maybe that was the end of it. I was like, that's it. He's dead now. He's dead in the bathtub now. But then he walks out of the bathroom. He's limping. He's still got his knife in his hand. And he finds Maddie, who's leaned up against the kitchen counter. She's on the ground, just leaned up, propped up against the kitchen counter. And he says, You fucking C wenti. And he's about to stab her when she grabs her bee's. Hornet spray, like you know, those bee's nest sprays, and sprays it into his eyes. And so he starts falling backwards He's bumping into tables and stuff And then he keeps trying to lunge at her still But he's in so much pain So then she grabs that fire alarm And turns it on and shoves it into his face And remember when I said that this is not a regular fire alarm So he's starting to get really disoriented And he's freaking the fork out He's like knocking more things over And at that moment we see like a corkscrew knockover Like you know those things that you open the wines with And we're like ah this is going to become important later so then they manage to fight and he drops the knife and he ends up tackling her to the ground and he's strangling her with his bare hands manual strangulation I'm talking right and she's grabbing for things and she gets a hold of the corkscrew and just as she's about to die she starts stabbing him in the throat with the corkscrew and he plops dead next to her and Maddie goes into his pocket and dials 911 and drops the phone and lays there. And then the next scene is her sitting in the win- sitting on the porch with her cat right next to her, and we see the sirens but we don't hear them. But we see the blue lights, and finally she smiles. Bro, so she was saved. <laughs> was that anticlimactic? No. <laughs> This one was kind of intense. I, I so, okay yeah. when she was in the bathroom, right? Yeah. Was that her plan to try? I feel like it. So, cause you said she already knew there's a window yeah. in the bathroom. And like, she, I feel like she heard, like not heard, but felt the gra- glass break because I can't imagine the glass Breaking and her not notice, but she notices the breath, right? Oh. So I think the whole plan was to trick him because he's cocky. Right. right you know? Right. That's what I'm And he, she, you know, he thinks that, oh, she's never going to hear this. Yeah. So he broke into the window. Hmm. Because it was just such an odd placement, you know? Yeah, because the whole killing she must have thought about, Yeah, because even the setup of the fire alarm, everything was like right in her... It was her plan. Like it was her plan. Like it looked well executed. It looked like she was like, okay, I'm going to stab him, run there. I'm going to pretend like I'm dying. And then he's going to say, you freaking blah. And then she sprayed the hornet thing. Uh And then she grabbed the fire alarm, shoved it in his face. Was the fire alarm like smart move yeah it seemed like Dude, really loud yeah because he was still trying to like stab her afterwards and then she shoved it in his mm-hmm. face and he just he dropped the knife to cover his ears because oh. it was that disorienting and i think in the beginning scene when sarah came in and she was like covering her ears mm-hmm. like i thought she was being a dramatic hoe honestly but then maddie was explaining no like that's why it's extra loud yeah yeah so it was a really well-done movie. Very fascinating, right? The the director was actually the husband of the main character who played and she helped write and direct it. And all of it was done like inside their house. The filming was actually the done. House? No, no. The filming was done in a house in Alabama. Uh-huh. But the whole script writing was done in their house as they were playing it out room by room. But then later they found that it actually them up because um this sounds like a 2020 project it's not <laughs> um it, it forked them up because the house in Alabama didn't have like the exact window placements and stuff but it was really really good they didn't make the whole movie silent though because this was before a quiet place. I don't know if a quiet place was in the works. I know that there's a lot of movies that you know experiment with having primarily silent films but the reason that they didn't want to is because in the movie theater they thought that if they had just all quiet you would get taken out by nearby stimulation so like the dude opening his popcorn like you would get taken out of the movie too much i cannot imagine watching that the whole thing being quiet yeah so that's why they added a lot of like um you know because a quiet place there was still like sounds yeah there was also still talking when they Mm -hmm. were whispering i believe but this one they had her voice in her head they had everyone still talk which was nice they also had um what they did was they got an ultrasound of the Main characters like heartbeat and they would play that in really intense moments mm. so that it wasn't just silent You could hear that she there was an adrenaline, mm. but I thought it was really really well done I wouldn't say it's like the most Insane movie in terms of like oh saga and masterpiece So much thought so much meaning so much vibes, but it was like whoa yeah. for a take on a home invasion like serial killer movie Like this one was probably a solid one. It was creative It was really nice, I liked it a lot, yeah. And that is the movie Hush. Let me know in the comments, what are your thoughts on this movie? Do you like it? Did it scare you? Have you seen it? And what would you do? Leave it in the comments and I hope you guys enjoyed and I'll see you tomorrow, bye!